0: Welcome to this episode of ClearedCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates, and our
1: exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders.
0: Hi, this is Lenny Kaiser, and today I am joined by Peter Suchu. He is a regular clearance jobs contributor and an author, has written about a variety of cybersecurity topics over the past Oh, a long time for clearance jobs, as well as other news outlets and organizations. Today, we're going to be talking to you a little bit about cybersecurity considerations for security clearance holders, maybe potentially kind of catfishing schemes or phishing schemes and how those affect security clearance holders. So give us some insight into that and kind of how the cybersecurity topics play out for clearance holders and why that's a topic that you've covered for us so many years at Clearance Jobs.
1: Yeah, well, thank you for having me. And it's really good that we're discussing this because I think we're seeing this across the spectrum right now. You know, it's a really unique job market, but we're seeing right now that hackers are taking advantage of that. So they've become much more savvy in how they're posting fake job listings. And we saw this recently. Uh, there was a report I did earlier this month on how it was impacting those that thought they were applying to Lockheed Martin. In the past, it had been Northrop Grubman. And even in BAE systems, all with similar schemes. And, and really the way this kind of worked was these people were creating fake listings that would take you to a very convincing looking website. And even those that did their due diligence and thought this, they were applying to the actual company, sometimes found out they weren't. Really what it was is it's uh manipulating some of the um, technology behind this. So it wasn't just a matter of getting people to send in a resume or something like that. It was actually using what's called living off the land binaries, which are essentially some of the code that exists in the background on the various operating systems. And the cyber criminals are exploiting that to basically camouflage their malicious activity.
0: Yeah. And it's worth noting that you can even have a current security clearance who can be duped by some of this stuff. We've seen that certainly with, you know, fake LinkedIn profiles out there, the amount of information people post, people kind of tend to share a lot of information. So what are maybe things that security clearance holders should look out for when they see some of these online job listings?
1: Well, I think the thing to do is do the due diligence you would do anytime. If you spot this and you're contacted for an interview and it's not in person, make sure it's through a secure video call. If it's uh, conducted via a teleconference, make sure that that person is sending you their email address and the address actually looks like something from that company instead of a phone number. So, I mean, if you're looking to work at Lockheed Martin, for example, and the recruiter doesn't have a Lockheed Martin email address, that that should be a big red flag. you know. Even if they claim to be a third-party recruiter, I don't think third-party recruiters that work for any kind of reputable firm are going to use a Hotmail email address, for example. Um, they're certainly not going to use a, an email address that's .ru for Russia or .ch from China. So those should be those kind of warning signals. But you should also make sure that emails, like I said, are coming from email domains and email addresses that are appropriate to the company. And you know some of the other red flags are making sure that you're not told you have to purchase any equipment to take this job and you'll be in reimbursed later, but they'll sell you the equipment. Make sure you don't have to pay for anything upfront, such as background investigations or screenings. An employer is never gonna ask you for credit card information. There's no reason why any reputable employer is gonna say, hey, we need your credit card number for this until we issue you a card. It's no different than the way that I've been warning people right now as we're in tax season. The IRS is not going to call you and tell you, you owe taxes. So go get a Walmart gift card. That's never, ever going to happen. <laughs>
0: that is good. That is good advice to remember. We talk a lot about like dual factor authentication just in terms of even getting into websites and access and things like that. I think there's a kind of like the dual check process of if you see a link or you see a job opportunity, not just necessarily clicking that link or looking that Uh, But doing some some research. So going, going, you know, you see a job listing, you know, on a public facing website, maybe for something going back to that company website and seeing if it's there. And, you know, depending on how I mean, there's a huge hidden job market right now. So there might not necessarily be a one to one correlation, but you should be able to do research, find a contact with the company, find their own hiring job page and, you know, submit information there and not be squirreling away a lot of your personal details to to somebody's hotmail.
1: One thing I would also recommend is anytime you think it could be a scam, the thing I would immediately do is uh, do some searches and find out if there are scams ongoing. Because that's one of the things that I find surprising that more people don't do is when we're seeing, again, whether it's a tax season scam or a job scam or something like this, you're not going to be the first person in most cases that's been contacted. And so just do a quick Google search and see if that scam is going around and sure enough, you know, you do a little bit of digging, and uh, you can find out that there's other people talking about this. So that's something I always recommend.
0: Yeah, and definitely just doing some research, digging around. And you know, depending on, I know it's a kind of a, it's an awkward topic, but there's security officers exist for a reason. And the current job market now, a lot of our clear talent is already employed. And so if you are getting a lot of spammy or, you know, odd requests, you know, you can certainly report those to your security officer. Cause like you said, there might be an investigation out there. It might be something that some, you know, an organization like the FBI needs to know about. So putting it through your official security channels as a security clearance holder that, you know, they're, the these things coming up or who's reaching out? You know, are people contacting you, your official email account or your own work email account with some of these things? Because it might not be just about you and getting your resume and personal information, but it's probably, you know, the bigger picture trying to get access into your company or agency.
1: Right, right. And another thing I would recommend is if you think it, it could be suspect. Try to get on the phone with somebody because, again, a recruiter is somebody who—that's what they do every day. They're recruiting people. They'll be able to answer questions. You know, ask some real detailed questions. What what does this position entail? If the recruiter can't explain what you're going to be doing at this defense contractor or this agency or this company, if they can't explain what the job's about, then it's probably a scam.
0: Well, I also want to talk to you, pu- published an article just this week on the Clearance Jobs news site about the state of bring your own devices in 2022. And this was a blast from the past, Peter, because I feel like the last time I recorded an interview with you, we were talking about Blackberries, And I don't know if you remember that. I thought I should re-listen to the interview. At that time, you're still using a BlackBerry. I don't know if that's still the case. Do they still have blackberries? Tell me more.
1: I, I was actually using my BlackBerry until last summer, and that was when the announcement came out that uh, it was going to be the end of the line. And and people would laugh at me about it. You know, I really liked the tactile keyboard. You know, I did like the fact that it had a very secure system and wasn't constantly being thrown these updates. And that's one thing as I've switched to Android that I notice is I'm somebody that doesn't do a lot of apps on my phone. And, you know, it might be odd as somebody who covers technology as much as I do, but I like to keep my work devices separate from my personal devices. And I've I've discovered over the years that it's, it's the best thing to do. There was one time I was using Skype on a laptop and uh, a friend sent me a link and he didn't realize it, but the link basically launched malware on my laptop. Well, because my laptop that I use for communication that I'm talking to you through. Basically, it's for things like this. It's for Skype and doing podcasts and things like that. I won't lose any of my articles. I won't lose any of my spreadsheets. I won't lose anything if this laptop suddenly explodes today. And so that's why I've always been really cautious about the bring your own devices. You download a game or something on the app store, depending on where that came from. I I don't know what kind of code that could bring to my device. And I, I worry about that a lot, to be honest. We'll have to
0: see where the cases go, but I predicted misuse of IT systems is one of the adjudicative guidelines that can result in clearance, denial, or revocation. And this massive push for everyone working from home with the start of the pandemic, we were trying to issue devices, get devices that could work in a remote setting very quickly. You know, people should at this point kind of have an understanding of what they should and shouldn't or can and can't do on the workplace device. But I, as someone who has worked remotely for the past 11 years, this is like a pot call in the kettle black situation for me, Peter, because we trade a lot of privacy for convenience. And so that convenience of, hey, I'm on my workplace device, I need to write a white paper, or I'm multitasking, checking my email and doing you know something else, we end up grouping those two things together. And I think the line gets a little blurry of what is misuse of an IT system. And I think we're going to see more denials and revocations because like you said, you got to be careful what links you're clicking because especially if you work for the government and the government is tracking what's going on in that device and assume that your private sector company is as well, maybe speak to that piece. Do you think people understand how much their employer is monitoring in these BYOD situations?
1: I think uh, a lot more maybe than we would uh, like to admit. I think uh, you're basically handing over to somebody in the IT department and it may not even just be the company. That's the other thing that we have to be cautious of. I don't want to speak ill of any IT guys out there, but all it would take is one going rogue and deciding, hey, you know, maybe I can uh, uh, watch what my employees are doing, whether it's for entertainment purposes, but it could be for more uh, nefarious purposes. Hey, Joe, I saw you downloaded some porn on your website. Uh, I think you're going to owe me lunch. I mean, you know, that, that would worry me. I I think we could see a lot more of that. I can also see why in the private sector, especially some smaller businesses might encourage it as uh, Rob Enderle, the technology analyst I quoted in the article had said, you know, bring your own devices can lower capital costs. So if you're an employer and you don't have to give all of your employees an iPhone or an Android phone and you let them use your device, that's really good for the business. It's not always so good for you. You know, as a freelance reporter, I mean, there were times where sometimes I wish, uh, you know, I'm saying this to one of my editors, but there were times I wish my editors didn't have my phone number. You know, you get those calls Friday night as they're going to print. Oh, we got a couple of questions. Can you try to contact the source? You know, it's Friday at nine o'clock. Uh, I think the source is. It actually wasn't Forbes. Uh, it was a uh, a weekly print magazine. I won't say which one. But yeah, they would go to bed on Friday nights. So uh, Fridays, Friday nights was the bane of my existence. For many years, I learned, don't go to the movies. Don't go out to dinner. You better, You're kind of in for the night. Sorry, honey, I might get a call because I got a story coming up.
0: That's an issue that's come up too with the issuing of these devices. I know there have been some pushback, especially overseas. I don't know if it's the American way, but kind of creating a free zone where your employer can't contact you outside of traditional work hours when it is hitting you have your work coming into your personal device it's really hard to create those boundaries and and barriers you certainly can you can create you know change your adjust your notifications or change settings i don't know that that's kind of our our default thinking are there also potential security issues that have come up in your you know in your writing and research around this mix i mean you mentioned the you know being careful what links you click on and things like that are there other examples of how bringing your own device can create kind of security loopholes
1: Well, again, I think it's the clicking the link, opening the wrong email, downloading the wrong software. I mean, one of the things we've certainly seen is I think Apple and Google do a pretty good job of vetting the apps that are on their respective services. But we've seen that there's third-party app stores and people are downloading apps from there, uh, whether it's games or dictation or whatever. I mean, today... It's real easy to make an app. It's real easy to put it up on a third-party app store. That's one of the reasons I I don't do apps. I guess I I have a little bit of that paranoia there that uh, I don't always feel I need to do these things through it. You know, sometimes it it makes my life a little more difficult. I can't do another bid on my phone on eBay. And maybe that sounds a little bit crazy that I got to actually go to my computer. But I make sure that that's through one spot, that, that I'm not doing all of this stuff. I think people just become a lot more careless using their devices. And as a reporter who's covered this for so long, I mean, the stories I could tell, I mean, I used to travel a lot. And I would be coming home from trade shows like the Consumer Electronics Show. And the story I always tell is I had upgraded because it had been a long show and I used miles. So I'm sitting at the front of the plane and this guy comes in and he's talking way too loud on his phone and he sits down next to me and he's basically explaining to the other side a whole bunch of stuff that as a reporter, I would probably have to sign an NDA to hear. And the conversation concludes with, we better not leak any of this to the media because this really could affect our stock price. That's just something we don't think about. I think people have learned you don't open an email on your desktop. You you're careful what links you click. For some reason, that goes out the window when you're on your phone. I just I I, we just haven't been trained for it.
0: When your article mentions TikTok, I think the apps you know, like it's not a shouldn't be a surprise that a lot of the apps have foreign origins and. Do potentially pose national security implications. We had—I I can't remember if it was you or someone else—who wrote about the face app, you know, issue a few years ago, where people are taking, you know, uploading pictures of their face, yeah. and you know, and then we have the deep fakes issue. I know you've written about that one for us, where you find a photo on the internet doesn't even mean that it's accurate or correct. So really, just you know, there's a lot of potential for issues out there.
1: We hope that technology is going to make our life better, that it's going to make our life more secure, and I think in many ways, technology has been great. The problem is all of the issues that come with it. We don't look at the downside of any of this, especially as Americans. We look at the benefits and we're not as cautious about the downsides.
0: The, you know, the main takeaway is that if you have a you know, security clearance, if you work in the national security space, again, for employers, don't just assume your your employees are are paying attention to this stuff, provide information. If you're if you're out there, do your research and just research sites like Clearance Jobs. We're providing information with this because there are a lot of risks out there and a lot of considerations. Well, thank you again, Peter. I appreciate your time.
1: Great. Thank you so much. This is Katie Keller,
0: editor at clearancejobs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cast. For more information on career and recruiting advice, visit news.clearancejobs.com.